turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Ion Real Estate. I'm attorney Stephen Ebert from the law firm of Casson and Casson, and glad you can join us today. We have a lot of news in the world of real estate, um, and I'm glad that also I'm joined today with our producer Mert um, before we, uh, you know, to join us on today's show. Mert, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, wasn't expecting to be on today, but. You know, I'm here to help you out. Uh, you know, you're a smart guy, and I'm an interested individual in real estate. So hopefully I can help you out, and we can get Dottie on if she's listening out there. We're going to try to get her on today. But uh, Yeah, she's a little delayed, but, you know, Mert, we have a lot of great topics to talk about, especially as we approach the holiday weekend. Thanksgiving's coming up in a few days, and we're going to talk about a few things to keep in mind also from a real estate perspective for the holiday. Uh, but, Murray, any special plans for the holiday? You know what? I'm not a real big Thanksgiving guy. I'm going to pretty much relax, chill out. Only thing I really like on Thanksgiving is the turkey. I don't really eat anything else, so I'm kind of weird in that way. So my family will have the legs set aside for me because that's really all I like on a turkey is the legs. And that's pretty much all I will be eating on Thanksgiving. So that that's my well, plan right there. Well, it's, it sounds good. I, I like all the sides. It's where you get to have the creativity. You got the turkey in the center and then, you know, everything that makes the holiday unique with each family. Um, you know, something that was actually really important that happened a week ago and I really feel that it's so important to discuss on the show, is unfortunately, about one week ago, there was a fire um, at a home in Brooklyn, and um, over in Crown Heights, and it was, unfortunately, a few people did die in this fire, and the families had to rush out. And the cause of the fire was from this lithium-ion battery. And what I, one of the things I want to do today is really that now that we're getting into the holiday season, we have family gatherings, people are starting to put up a lot of lights and connect things and so forth, and really make sure that we have a lot of safety concepts in mind. Um, this fire, sadly, was caused by one of those scooter hovercrafts. They call them a hovercraft, even though they don't hover. And there's been a lot of issues with some of these manufacturers. Again, I don't want to paint too broad of a stroke here, but sometimes these batteries get overheated, they're left charged, um, and, and they're not watched, and they get overcharged, and they heat up, and they actually cause a fire on their own. 
And so this is a really good time of year to think about what are some of the systems in place for fire safety in your home. Now, it really starts with having the right detectors. And I know growing up, you know, we had these smoke detectors, and they were just something you stick on a ceiling. And that was about it. And they were just powered by a battery. And, you know, for some older homes, that's all they have. As things have modernized, smoke detectors should be hardwired in your house, and then it has a battery backup. Now, the older smoke detectors have that 9-volt battery. You know, it's funny, Mert, you look at those batteries. It's the one battery that looks so different yeah, on yeah, the I top. Know. It's that wrecked thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's one of those that you buy them basically just for the smoke detectors or one or two other things, and that's it. And you really should change those batteries once a year. And so pick your date. Some people like doing it when they change the clocks. Thanksgiving is another popular time. But I would say pick a landmark date where you know you're probably going to be around home. You know, I like either when you change the clocks back a couple of weeks ago or now for Thanksgiving because you tend to be around home. Certain holidays you're traveling, but these you're on home. And make sure you change them each year. Now, the newer smoke detectors that are being sold in the store do not use the 9-volt batteries anymore. Rather, they have these built-in lithium batteries that last for 10 years. So if you're buying a new one, you're good for 10 years, and I'll let you know. But the older ones make sure to go ahead and change them. And then also, when you're actually disposing of them, because the poles are at the top, make sure they're not touching metal. A a good procedure is to put a little piece of electric tape on top so that way they don't conduct, because if they have a little bit of extra energy left, that could also be a hazard. But really important that you have this, and for those of you in a single-family home, you should have the kind of smoke detectors where when one goes off, it triggers the next one so people can hear it. So really make sure it's in those areas um, that can pick it up. Make sure also so people who have maybe updated their basement, sometimes people have done renovations, maybe they've done a smaller renovation without having to get permits, you know, not judging, but that's come up with people. Make sure you really have the right kind of detectors because if you have smoke that's coming out of a boiler in the basement, you want to make sure that it's detected down there and it sends a signal up to the bedrooms that are upstairs because time is absolutely critical and it happens so fast. Other thing I want people to be aware of is carbon monoxide, CO detectors. Make sure you have them. Smoke generally goes up to the top of the ceiling and carbon monoxide stays low. So make sure you have a few carbon monoxide plugged into an outlet. They also have a battery backup in key parts of the house. We have laws in New York, and pretty much every state in the country that I'm aware of has laws on smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. But, you know, a lot of times people aren't careful with them. And, you know, Mert, I'm sure you know people who haven't, but these devices actually expire. Yes. I don't know people. And, you know, it's so important to not just check them each year, but to make sure you replace them every so often, too. Um, because it's sort of like driving a car. You know, you got to put in gas and get an oil change, but sometimes you have a much bigger improvement. So, you know, I think this is so important with fire safety. 
knowing where things are, knowing where an exit is, having a conversation with kids, especially as, you know, right around the corner, people are starting already to put up their Christmas lights. And a lot of times people use extension cords, and it's really a lot of electric going on. And for some of these older houses, it could really be a fire hazard. So we want everyone to have a great holiday and a safe holiday and really make sure your your smoke and carbon monoxide detectors are working, test them out, change those batteries to make sure that everything's okay. Now, Steve, I, I, I have a question for you. Do you have any, like, other tips? Because I was reading something the other day about people with secondary homes or getaway properties for the holidays and stuff like that. And one of the tips that was listed in this article was before you take a shower, let the water run for about five to ten minutes. Because in your shower head, if it's not used too often, bacteria and all kind of mold starts to form. So... Let your shower head run a little bit so that can clear out before you start to take a shower. Are there any other little tips if you're going to a secondary home, if you're going to a residence that you don't, you know, primarily live in for the most part, you know, for the holidays, which a lot of people do. You have any other tips because that fire one is great. That's the that's a great one. But do you have any other ones? Absolutely, Mert. And, you know, you bring up a great point in general. You know, part of it, having a house, is actually using it. And if you don't use it, the systems could have issues. So, you know, on the one hand, you don't want to abuse something and overuse it. At the same time, if you underuse it, it could cause problems, too. So when you first come, when when you're visiting your house, and let's say you have a winter house or a summer house, and you haven't gone there, and you're getting there for the first time in the season, first of all, Look around, right? If you have an area that's, let's say, in a wooded area, you want to make sure that no animals broke in, right, which could be a danger. You want to look, and not this time of year so much, but other times of year there are bees' nests or wasps' nests, just to make sure that there is no surprise. I mean, I've, I've heard the stories where literally people saw that they saw some, some gooiness on their ceiling, and it turned out it was a very active beehive, and there was honey dripping on the ceiling. And that roof was about to, that ceiling, excuse me, was about to collapse because of the weight and the liquid, and there would have been hundreds and hundreds of upset bees flying into the house. These things, while rare, do definitely happen. So first off, you want to look around the house, make sure it's secure, that there's no surprises. The second thing is check the mechanicals. Right, go look at the boiler, look at the HVAC, make sure things are working, make sure when you turn it on nothing smells, you don't smell fumes. If you have, you know, natural gas and a range, check to make sure it works. You don't, you know, make sure there's no gas leak or anything like that before you really do anything. And then also cycle the water through. You've had water sitting there. You could have mold, you could have bacteria. And it's also just not good for the appliances. So I'd recommend, you know, you turn on the sinks, get the water flowing, flush the toilets so it just don't have that stagnant water. And definitely let the shower run or the bathtub run. Let that drain out for a little bit first because you do not want to take a shower or take a bath in water that's been sitting there for months and months. Going back also for fire prevention, if you have a fireplace, 
I, you know, how often should you clean your chimney? Well, it depends on usage, but what's also important is how you power that fire. Are you using regular wood logs? Or you have some of those, not that I'm picking on a certain brand like Duraflame, which is very popular, which is really easy to light up, but some of those have certain coatings on the wood in the wrapper, which when the fire um, is running, leaves an oily film on, on the flume in the chimney on the way up. And if that's not cleaned with some level of regularity, again, it depends on how often you use the, the fireplace and the chimney, but it can lead to a buildup and also it can create um, a fire hazard there. Understand also your chimney because what happens is on some of the older homes, they never put in a chimney liner, and that's generally building code. Nowadays, if you have a chimney being put in, you have to have a metal liner um, for fire safety. Make sure that at the top of the chimney, you have a cap, both to keep out the rain and protect against water damage, but also so animals don't go in there. Um, and I would say open up that flue and really take a look to see if there's anything in there, because what you don't want to have happen is have something which will cause smoke to come back into the house and um, create a hazard for you that way. Now, Steve, Steve, let me ask you a question, because you sound like Smokey the Bear right now with all this fire talk. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) How do you put out some of these fires? Because I was watching something about don't pour water on this type of fire. But on this type of fi- on this type of fire, you could pour water. Do you have any insight on proper ways to put out a fire if you see one? Because I was confused. You know how people are cooking these turkeys and stuff like that. And if you have a grease fire, you're not supposed to put water on it. But uh, like you're absolutely right. So, yeah. do you have any tips on that? If you see a fire, how do you properly put it out? So since Thanksgiving's only a few days away, one of people's favorites, and it's absolutely delicious, is deep frying a turkey. And you need to be very, very careful when it's done right. It's absolutely delicious. But what happens is you have a, con- you know, a container, a pot that is full of very hot bubbling oil, and you drop in a turkey. And you know, Mert, what the number one mistake to do um, when you're deep frying a turkey? What's that? is not defrosting it. If you put in a frozen turkey, it, the whole thing can bubble over and actually could cause an explosion in, in an extreme case because it has all of that frozen water in there, and it's, rea- and it's such a quick reaction. Because think about it. You have an extreme frozen item, hot boiling oil, and you put it together real fast, and that's really, you're asking for trouble. So number one, have it somewhat defrosted, um, take a look and, and get some suggestions. And also when you're making a deep fried turkey, do it like in an area, um, you outside. know, like a driveway, yeah, outside, outside yes. not in the house, away from the house, but also don't do it near a pile of like dried leaves, right? right. That, that's a great way to, to spread the fire. Uh, so don't do that. Now on the inside, you're exactly right on a grease fire. Um, if you put water on it, it generally will spread. So number one, every kitchen should have a fire extinguisher. And I know a lot of times, and everyone's guilty of it, including myself, like, oh, yeah, I have one. When was the last time you actually had it checked? 
how old is this extinguisher, right? So to make sure you know where it is and how to use it, because what's it's these devices are simple, but all of a sudden people panic because they're not expecting this kind of reaction. Right. And so take a quick look, read the instructions, make sure you have a basic familiarity. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, look, if you're not sure, you know, if you, if you can't, you know, be very careful, but if you can't put it in, if you can't put it out, if you have an extinguisher or a fire blanket to toss on it, um, then, you know, make sure you get to safety. Look, at the end of the day, Nobody wants to have a house fire, but these things spread fast. Right. The number one thing is get to safety and, and then immediately call 911 um, and so they can get going on it. And, and, you know, part of it is prevention, and this is where, Mert, I really want to now focus on home inspections because before you buy a home, you should know what you're buying. And when I have a client do a home inspection to buy a house, I always recommend that they go with the home inspector um, and they actually get a feel for the house because it's not just a matter of finding is something broken today and I want to have some seller repair it or give me a credit at my closing, but it's also so you're familiar with the house, understand the shortfalls and age of some of the appliances and systems in the house to make sure that everything is in order and you can maintain the house properly. So there's a few things I want to look at. Um, the first thing is what I'll call the bigger ticket items before we get into the actual house itself. Um, number one, you need to find out, are you in a geographic area where you have septic instead of sewer, a well instead of municipal water, and of course, radon. So these are three big items that people need to know because you might have to have a supplemental inspection, right? So let me start with radon. Radon is an odorless, colorless gas where if you breathe it in, it can increase your chance of getting lung cancer. Now, it's sort of, and the comparative studies are like smoking. If you have a little bit, most likely it's not going to have an impact. But if you have repeated regular exposure and a lot of it, then what can happen is that your, your chances of catching lung cancer um, are greatly increased. Um, so what happens is if you're in an area where radon is a possibility, you should also have a radon test. The inspector will drop off a couple of canisters. They look like a shoe polish container almost. And within a couple of days, they'll get it back from the lab and get the rating. And there's a couple of different standards where if you're below a certain amount, that's considered great. If you're in a middle area, it's heightened and above it, you're going to want to have that remediated. So I know we're about to come to a break. When we come back, we'll just talk about some of the things that you can do to remediate radon, what to look for and some other key things in your home inspection when you're buying. We'll be back with Ion Real Estate after this break.
Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Let's talk about Bay Ridge Honda, run by my friend Rob Sabah. The Sabah family has owned and operated this Honda dealer for over 60 years. My grandfather bought a Honda Accord there in 1980 and kept it for decades. Bay Ridge Honda serves all five boroughs, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens, and the Bronx. My parents, my sister, my brother-in-law, everyone I know has purchased a car from Bay Ridge Honda because the Sabah family and their team are the best and most trusted in the business. And you can save big all month long at Bay Ridge Honda's big Black Friday sale. Big inventory, big benefits, and big savings with all the new Honda models in stock marked below manufacturer's retail prices. So visit Bay Ridge Honda on 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. This sale ends November 30th, 2023. I know it's hard to believe, but the holidays will be here before we know it. Why not make them truly memorable this year on board the Atlantis yacht with New York Cruises. Captain Fred and the amazing New York Cruises staff always go above and beyond with every detail. Whether you've been put in charge of planning the office Christmas party or are looking to do something exciting for the holidays, why not take the party off land and on to sea? Call 212-633-1231 or visit NewYorkCruises.com and see how Captain Fred and his first class yacht crew will make your special occasion an unforgettable day. The Atlantis of New York Cruises is the perfect venue for corporate events events, weddings, engagement and anniversary parties, reunions, retirement parties, birthdays, bar or bat mitzvahs, you name it. Call 212-633-1231 to book your unforgettable event today. That's 212-633-1231 or visit newyorkcruises.com, newyorkcruises.com and be on board the Atlantis yacht with New York Cruises. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date, and I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. Welcome to the Invite Health Thanksgiving Buy One Get One Sale. Get your holiday season off to a healthy start. Support your immune health this Thanksgiving with Invite's Immunity Multivitamin and Green TTX. Take advantage of our Thanksgiving Buy One Get One Sale. The sale is on now. Get free shipping on orders over $35. We want to make this Thanksgiving healthier for your wallet by offering an additional 5% off orders over $200. Give us a call to order by phone at 800-673-2345. That's 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com. To order online, stop by your nearest Invite Health store today or visit invitehealth.com to set up a free nutritional consultation. Take advantage of Invite's limited time buy one get one Thanksgiving sale. Contact Invite at 800 673 2345. That's 800 673 2345 or go to invitehealth.com. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in iHeart or Odyssey.com. 
Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to Eye on Real Estate. I'm attorney Stephen Ebert, and I'm joined by our producer, Mert. Uh, Dottie will be joining us for the second hour. And just wanted to continue our conversation on inspection safety. We were talking about radon, which is an issue in some parts of the country. And really important to make sure that if you're in a geographic area where that's an area of concern, have it tested, get that results, be comfortable. But, you know, even if you have some uh, amounts of radon, there are some relatively inexpensive systems. Usually it's $2,000 or less, which can really mitigate it um, and really just make sure that that gas goes outside of the house. So, you know, it's one of those conversations. No property is perfect. There are always things, um, but it's something that to make sure to check and to make sure it's not an issue. Now, Steve, I, I, don't, now, I don't want to sound like I, I'm sorry I'm slowing you down here, but can you explain to me what radon, what's the purpose of it? What is it? I don't because some new, new sure. homeowners might not know what that is. So what is radon? What is it used for? Well, radon comes from the ground, so it's not a positive, but basically imagine the following. The ground is untouched, and then all of a sudden you build a foundation, and you're jackhammering into the ground. You're maybe breaking up some rocks or dynamiting so you can create the strong foundation for the house and then building above it. Well, when you do that, you have created some small cracks in the ground, and then the gas might get released. And so the radon comes from underground, and then it will seep into the house. Now, a, a location that has radon, generally it will only go into the basement area. So it's not going to go into the first or second floors if you have a full basement. Obviously, certain homes don't have a basement, so the first floor is sort of like the basement for this intent and purpose. And so you just want to make sure that if you're going to be spending time down there, um, it's checked to make sure it's not an issue. Now, radon's not in all parts of the country, um, but you should. that's why you really need to have a local inspector who knows what are the concerns um, and pockets of issues uh, that could be a problem for you. And so it should, be, I guess, be part of a test if you live in that geographic area where it's a concern. The next thing I want to get into is well water. And like everything, there's pros and cons. On the one hand, uh, if you have a well, you don't have to pay for municipal water, which is really nice. will save you a lot of money. Also, a lot of municipal water is treated with chlorine to keep the bacteria out. So, you know, there are things that you want to have if you're on municipal water to filter that out for better tasting uh, water. On the other hand, when you're buying a house with a well, you need to know a few different things. <clears throat> Number one, certain jurisdictions in the country require a potability test to make sure the water is safe to drink. Some don't. So you need to make sure that when you're buying a house with a well, will there be a water test or not? Is it required by law? My recommendation is whether or not it's required by law, you should definitely have one for your own safety. The other thing is most home inspectors are not checking the well mechanicals. How deep is your well? That's an important question to ask. While deeper wells require a stronger motor, which costs a little bit more money, a shallower well 
if there's, let's say, any spills or uh, garden chemicals or fertilizers for your grass could seep in. So you really want to have an understanding of what the geology like. Is it rocky? Is my well deep? Is it shallow? Just to find out things that you should be concerned about to make sure your water supply uh, stays fresh and is safe. Make sure also that the mechanicals are checked because, again, most home inspectors are not checking the well mechanicals. And then the last thing is make sure it's tested that you have a good amount of water reserve there. You don't want to have a house with low water pressure, and if you have a house with a well, you might have to drill a new one if you're really not getting that water supply in. Um, so it's neither pro nor con. You just have to do a little more due diligence. And the last thing, particularly if you have a house with young kids, remember municipal water has fluoride added to them for, for teeth. Well water does not. So, you know, it's interesting, Mert, with the real rise in popularity of bottled water, yes. a lot of dentists have talked about how it's affected the strength of people's teeth. So make sure you keep that in mind and understand that because you just have some differences because that those extra minerals are not being put into the water. Now, Steve, is this well water, is this drinking water, shower water, is this, when you use a well, is it for all the water going through the house, or is it just like drinking water? So how much water is being drink, uh, took from this well? So if you, have, if you have a house in well water, it should be your entire supply of water. It should be everything coming in. So imagine, Mert, you know, 30, 40 feet from the house, something like that. Um, in most cases, you have a wellhead that's drilled into the ground, and so literally you're piping... You know, it's 30, 40 feet in most cases, right into the house. And then you have a unit in, like, your basement mechanical room that has some water supply, you know, maybe 5, 10 gallons, something like that. Um, and then that really uh, sends the water right through the house, and it's everything. Is it, so, is, it, is it tough to monitor how much water is in this well, or is that something that's relatively easy to keep on top of if you know what you're doing? Yeah, so the good news is on a day-to-day basis, you don't really have to do much. What you want to make sure is you have a good filter system. So one, I always recommend that you have a whole house filter because when you have a well, you could have some silt or dirt that comes with the water and you want to have a basic whole house filter just to keep the dirt out Um, because those fine particles, as they work their way through, it can really clog up your faucets. You know, Mert, if you look at most faucets, right, they usually have a little filter that screws on at the end or it's built in at the end of the tent. That's right. Um, And if you have water with a little bit of silt in it, those are going to get all clogged up. So you really want to make sure you have that whole house filter on a well to filter that out. Um, And then I would say every so often just have the water tested to make sure that uh, there's nothing to worry about in your well. Right. But, you know, it's little thing. It's interesting. You know, when you're getting that test and, and you could really do diligence on things, you can really take a deep dive and keep on going, right? There are certain things like unhealthy bacteria or, let's say, radon in the water that we're just talking about or lead. Those are what are called, I would say, a primary health concern. Right. Those could really have ill effects. But, Mert, there's also secondary concerns, Right. 
how acidic versus basic is the water and how could that affect your plumbing? Good to know. Right. Also, is there, is there a lot of sodium in your water, right? So let's say you have somebody who is on a low-salt diet. The water might be perfectly fine, but in some cases have a little bit more sodium. And if you drink a lot of your water and you're on a low-sodium diet, you might actually be getting way more sodium than you realize. So that's also something to keep in mind. So what you're saying is organic water might not be the organic you're really looking for. Everybody wants organic these days, but you might not necessarily want to just say, oh, this water's organic. It's good. You got to really do your due diligence when drinking water coming straight from the ground. Well, I'm I'm going to slightly tweak it. I mean, organic is natural, but the state of nature has everything, right? I mean, the fact is that... You, lead is natural, radon is natural, um, you know, you have various elements. And so naturally kill you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it's really, so I'd rather say it's just, you know, you just want to know what you're drinking. And I would say that for both well or municipal water. Again, I personally have a well in my house, and it's great. So I don't, no one should walk away sort of scared that, oh my goodness, I need to pick one or the other. It's more a matter of being an informed consumer, understanding what are my systems that I have associated with the house, and what I should do as a smart homeowner to make sure I know what I'm drinking. Um, and, and again, I'll say, Mert, you know, you could ha- you have sometimes great water. Like our water is fantastic. You know, I, I was visiting my kids over at Sleepaway Camp this past summer, uh-huh. and my son said, you know, I said to him, "What can we bring?" And he said, "Bring some cold water from home." Because the water we have at home is way better than what we have at camp. Now, can you explain (laughs) where you're at? Because I've heard that about New York water, but they said in Long Island, where I live at, that's not necessarily the case. But in the city, the water is the best in the country. But you get it to Long Island, they're taking the water from different places. So could you explain before we go to break? Where is this water Sure, real fast. I I live in northern Westchester, and a lot of the lakes are happens to be the source for New York City municipal water. Long Island sits on a lot of what's called aquifers, and then what happens is the municipalities will pump the water from those aquifers for the local water district. And we'll talk more about it after this break. You're listening to Ion Real Estate. You know, my buddy Alex Cancella over at Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey, he gave us a call to let us know that we should tell all of our friends, our family, our listeners who have been holding off on purchasing a new vehicle due to the supply limitations and price gouging that the wait is finally over. Route 22 Toyota has an influx of new vehicles and they're experiencing their highest new car inventory levels in over three years and the timing couldn't be better as Route 22 Toyota has their biggest event of the year going on right now 
now. It's their Black Friday event, and it goes on all month long. They've dropped their prices of all your favorite Toyota models, like the RAV4, Camry, Tundra, and the all-new 2024 Toyota Grand Highlander. Call them today at 973-705-8905 from Route 22 Toyota over in Hillside, New Jersey. And remember, don't forget to tell them that Joe Piscopo sent you. Call them today at 973-705-8905 during their Black Friday event going on now. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College for some time now. Well, Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The Accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. And I'd like to offer congratulations to the first graduating cohort of nursing students. This first cohort began with 20 students, and 18 successfully completed the program. What an accomplishment. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's an incredible experience. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or their School of Allied Health, email info at plazacollege.edu. Info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. I'd like to introduce you to the premier business in the investigative and security field in the United States today, Brosnan Risk Consultants, founded by my friend Pat Brosnan, decorated, retired NYPD detective. You must be diligent in protecting the business you worked so hard to grow, family you cherish, and the lifestyle you've achieved. Luckily, there is Brosnan Risk consultants to keep your business healthy keep your family safe and identify the approaching rising tide of danger and loss well before it destroys what you have built brosnan risk consultants have been protecting clients for over 25 years operational in 45 states and over 500 cities don't settle for second best brosnan is the gold standard in investigative and security services call now 800-590-2180 or go online to brosnan risk Risk.com. B-R-O-S-N-A-N. Risk.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. AM970 The Answer is bringing Dr. Lederman's expertise in alternative cancer treatments to prime time every Monday night at 7. Dr. Lederman is triple board certified in radiation oncology, medical oncology, and internal medicine, and is the first physician to perform non-invasive body radiosurgery in the Western Hemisphere, treating thousands of patients covering nearly every size, site, and type of cancer, large and small, primary and metastatic. Listen to Dr. Lederman Monday night at 7 on AM970 The Answer. Listen to us anywhere. TuneIn.com, iHeartRadio.com. Get the app at AM970TheAnswer.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to Ion Real Estate. I'm attorney Stephen Ebert, and I'm pleased to be joined with our producer, Mert, for the first hour of the show today. And, you know, Mert, we were talking about all these different home safety issues and inspections, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But I really would be remiss if I didn't talk about something really of great historical significance and interest uh, in New York City, uh, something called Heart Island. 
Now, Heart Island is one of those islands, and actually there's a few of them um, between Manhattan and the Bronx and the Long Island Sound um, that are around the city. And, you know, some of them we hear a lot about, more like Governor's Island, which is on the south side of Manhattan, where there's concerts during the summer and other entertainment that's there. But Heart Island um, has an interesting history. Um, it is very, very difficult to get there, even though it's geographically very, very close, because since 1869, it has been used as a cemetery mainly, and it's the largest public cemetery in the entire country. And a decision has been made to actually start allowing tours and visits, and they're actually looking to redo the island and knock down some of the abandoned buildings that have been there and um, really, you know, make some improvements on the island. And, you know, I think it's just so fascinating. There's, there's such a fascinating history in this city. And this is a place where, where most people haven't heard of, haven't seen, haven't had the ability to go there. And really the only main way that's been there is if you have your own little motorboat or sailboat and you kind of go by the island but it's almost like a t you know going back in time because so little the island changes you know during you know we were talking about during the break you know during the covid time period there were a number of people who were buried there um but outside of the cemetery it's really in many ways been untouched and and it's really frozen in time now steve um, can i let me can i ask you a question and let me ask you this. What do you think about them trying to slowly redevelop this and start allowing people to move on to these, the, this, this, what is it, Heart Island is what you call it, right? That's what it well, is. Yeah, it's called Heart Island to visit. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if they're going to develop it you never to have residences there. You, I don't think we're going to have that. You never heard of uh burial grounds being developed on and people finding out later that hey wait a minute we're living on top of a grave have, like have you heard of that because this sounds like it could i wouldn't put it past some of these developers to try to eventually go in that direction well i hope it doesn't go in that um you know direction i i think if i may say you can may you can say a lot about a society about how it has respect for the dead and for cemeteries. And, you know, I, I would never want to have that, and we need to have a respect, you know, for the people who are buried there. And, you know, I, I know you have to, um, you know, really examine where you're developing and to make sure. I mean, we've had issues, you know, in the city for anyone who's been uh, downtown not far from City Hall, um, there's rightly been a, a memorial now um, for the African burial ground. You can see markers now. And, you know, there, there was a time period where people built, they didn't check, uh, and you find this in places around the world, not just in the U.S., where they come across and it was a burial ground. Um, you do have some cases, given where things are, where the remains are reinterred uh, in a different location, um, I knew, I know New York is very, very, and rightfully so, very, very strict about this. Um, and, and there has to be a lot of explanation and approval. And actually, you apply to uh, New York State. Um, there's a whole division that would deal with this. Um, so, you know, my hope is that 
the island has its per- same purpose, that they improve upon some of the abandoned buildings so people have an understanding of history. I mean, I look at it like Ellis Island. There are certain things that are part of our historical inheritance that we need to preserve and make sure people see it. And I think Hart Island, it would be a very interesting um, place that people should know about. And I think you were telling me during the break also that, again, this the cemetery purpose started in 1869, and then during the Civil War was also used as a training ground yes, uh, for, for the, Union soldiers. For the African-American ones specifically. There might have been some other groups, but the African-American uh, units trained there. I was reading about that the other day, and it was like a coincidence you brought that up, Hard Island. I didn't realize that was the name of the island, but that they used that grounds for a bunch of different things, and that's one of the things that stuck out to me, being African-American myself. So I really, you know, focused on that. But, yeah, it's got a lot of history there. Like, being able to see that type of stuff, that would be a good experience to take your kids and your family and stuff to see that type of uh, history. Absolutely, and, and, and you got to preserve it. And what's great, what's great about Hart Island is because there are no residences there, there's a real opportunity to make it a historical learning experience for people. And it's so close. I mean, it's literally, depending upon where you leave in Manhattan, it's, it's minutes away by boat. So it doesn't require a large trip. It's off Manhattan, also between the Bronx and Long, and Long Island Sound. So very, very close, easy to visit. But I think it's one of these sort of neat things um, that people should know about. And, and speaking of, I think, uh, neat things that are out there, um, it looks like just a, a historical moment. The last of the Rockefeller estates in the area is uh, hitting the market. Um, in Greenwich, Connecticut, the last Rockefeller estate um, of about four and a quarter acres uh, is is on the market for nine million dollars to be sold. Now, and Steve, um, Steve, this property has been. Steve, before you go any hmm? further, how big can you put that in English for somebody like me? How big is that for? What did you say? Four acres. What, how, four and a quarter acres. How big is yep. that? Well, you know, it's interesting. When, um, if you think about most of the Rockefeller estates that you, you think about, you think of dozens and dozens of acres. Um, you know, four and a quarter acres would be massive if you're in Manhattan or other parts of New York City. But as you sort of go out into the suburbs, um, it, it really is, you know, beautiful, palatial. It's all relative. Like when you think about some of the Rockefeller estate, which would be, 100 acres or something like that. You know, four and a quarter seems small. But, you know, for a lot of suburban homes, most of these homes are on a quarter of an acre, a half of an acre. So to put it in perspective, you know, eight times the size, the land, you know, or more um, of, let's say, a, a typical suburban home that's on maybe a, a, a half acre or something like that kind of zoning. So it's a tremendous amount of space. You know, you, you don't want to take away from the fact of this property. It is a magnificent property, and it's a very elegant property. But, of course, compared to some of the other Rockefeller estates, which are just on a whole other level, it's a lot smaller. But I, I think it's a moment in time because the Rockefeller family is quintessential with New York. You know, from Rockefeller University to parks 
to being involved in politics and, and all sorts of industry um, in the whole area, this is sort of one of those historical moments, and I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. Um, so, now, going back to it, think about what kind of home inspection you'd have to do for a property like that. You know, we were talking about some small points, but you have to really keep on looking into detail. And one of the other things that's so important is just when you go around with your home inspector is checking and finding out what filters do I have to change, what things need annual maintenance. And also, a lot of the laws are changing, Mert. You know, whether it's right or wrong is a whole other conversation, um, and it's at the rate and the speed that they're going. But the fact is, there's a lot of laws that are coming down the pike on having more uh, efficiency, electrification in homes. And if you're going to buy more of a historic home, you need to ask yourself, am I going to have to spend a lot on future upgrades to convert energy systems, boiler systems, and also how is that going to look for an established property like this and really understanding those costs? You know, when you have a home inspector go through and look at those mechanicals, I recommend making sure they check the manufacturer, the model number, and even the serial number, so you can actually see how old these, these, these systems are, see if there's any recalls for safety, and see how efficient, and get a sense of what the electric usage and other um, utility bills are, and to see what they could be. Now, really Steve, important to understand the economics of the house. Now, Steve, about how long would you know the law give you to get everything up to code because as a lawyer you you'd be perfect to speak on this how long would you generally have to get everything up above board so you can start doing business with this property so what happens is with every law is they first tackle the new right it's the laws come into effect to say oh on new homes being built going forward you have to have these upgrades and these kind of systems so it's not going to affect, it's what we call grandfathered in. So existing properties are grandfathered in. So if you bought this, it's not like you'd have to automatically make a change. So first, the law takes care of the new. But what's coming down the pike next, it's, it's very clear to me, Mert, is that they're going to then start saying, if you're buying new appliances, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a new house, it's your existing house. But let's say your oven goes or your range goes. What they're going to say is, well, after a certain point, and there's back and forth on when this is going to happen, that the new appliances that you buy would have to be of a certain standard of electric instead of gas, right? That's the next debate. And then what's going to eventually happen is it's going to become not economically feasible to maintain alternatives and, Mert, the spare parts are going to go. Right, it's going to happen is I don't blame the appliance manufacturer. They're in business to run a business. And if at a certain point the law is such where you can only buy certain types of appliances, at a certain point they're going to make the decision and say, we're going to stop making the spare parts for the old ones. So even if the old ones are in good shape and might, not, and might just need a random part here or there to keep on going, you might find it very difficult to get spare parts. That's where we see it progressing. Again, we're not at that point yet, um, 
but I think that's the direction things are going in. And what you want to make sure is that a home that you're buying, even if you're not doing it today, it might be 10 years down the road, you got to ask yourself, how workable is this home with these other needs, right? Does it have the electric capacity if I'm switching out the range? Do I need to make other upgrades? If I want to get an electric vehicle, can I put in solar panels in a way so I can charge that up? So those are some of the things that you want to look at. Um, and, and it's a little bit more complicated due diligence, right? You're asking a question, not just is my roof in good condition, but does my roof have the surface area and the angles in the right direction to actually put in solar panels for that energy, right? So it's another level of questions. Um, and it's really important that people ask these questions. You know, buying a home has gotten more complicated than ever before. There's more things to think about than ever before. And if you're not thinking about it or you really mess up, it could be an expensive cost um, that you're going to have to deal with down the road. Now, are there some things that aren't, you can't be grandfathered in, like asbestos? I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but every time I turn on TV, there's something about if your home has asbestos, call us and we can get you this settlement or whatever. Like, if you find a house with that, can that type of stuff be grandfathered in, or is that something that has to be corrected no matter what? Well, asbestos is an interesting dilemma because our philosophy and how to deal with asbestos has fundamentally changed. Once we realize the danger of what we call friable asbestos, right, asbestos that can break apart and go into the air. And by the way, Mert, the reason that asbestos is so dangerous is that if it breaks apart, you can breathe it in, and it can cause damage, and because of its weight, stays inside your lungs. Mm. That's why it's such a dangerous item. And so the philosophy went for, oh, we just got to get rid of this stuff. And then they realized, wait a minute, we're disturbing it, and we're actually getting the stuff airborne. So what they're doing is they're containing it. So usually in a house, what you'll see is asbestos as a pipe insulator, and they'll box that in and cover it up. And I know we're running near the end of the segment. Other types are maybe in flooring systems that they cover. So there's a lot of different solutions. Um, And the key thing is done by someone who is licensed, and they have the knowledge to handle it to make sure your home is safe and secure. And there's a lot of experience in that. More on Ion Real Estate when we come back. Dottie Lou back, and we're also going to have a guest with us to talk more about the market. You're listening to Ion Real Estate. The preceding hour of programming paid for by D.